Welcome once again to the program. Thanks so much for joining me today. And here's the one thing you need to know about Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Even though he plays it off that he really doesn't like me, doesn't have much time for me, he kind of puppy dogs me a lot. Whenever I'm around the building, he wants to follow me around wherever I go. Sometimes it gets a little annoying, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and he really wanted to come on the show here today live. So I said, all right, so Elliot, you can kick off the show today. You can come and hang around. I know you're playing too cool for school and just, you know, flipping on your phone and surfing Twitter and getting information. But, you know, it just sort of underscores how much you really enjoy being in my company. You probably don't do it enough. All of that sentence was a lie. <laughs> they fixed my microphone here. Um, we got a lot to get to today. I, uh, so it's weird. Like, I, I can't walk. I can't play with the microwave. I, I can't. Spread cream cheese on a bagel when I'm talking to you. First thing people will notice is how good you sound. Yes, that that's true. <laughs> they definitely will notice <laughs> right that. away. Um, okay, so a couple of things here, and coming over the bottom of the hour, Jonathan Davis from uh, NHL Network Radio and the host of the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. We'll talk about the uh, the Pacific Division specifically with uh, with John Davis here in a couple of moments. But uh, a few things from last night, and a couple of things. Um, from your notes as well uh, at sportsnet.ca coming off the general manager meeting yesterday. Um, the stuff about Borea Salming uh, I thought was really Wait, well hold told. On, hold on, You want to talk about Carlson though, didn't you? I do want to get there. I think we should start with that. Are you chumming the water? I was going to chum the waters a little bit with it and then get there. It's called I, I, a hook in radio. I know I, it's been I a long time since, I don't, I don't since like you to sat tell there you with Bob McCown that's true. and learned from the master. I don't want to tell you how to do your show, but, <laughs> but start uh, with Carlson. Maybe we should start with Carlson. Okay, so I mentioned this to you about an hour ago and you said, "Okay, let me do some work on this." Yeah. So the fact that you brought it up means you've maybe done some work on this. I've and tried. Maybe found something out. So, um, Mike Greer, general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Now, we all know what Eric Carlson is doing right now. He is on the absolute heater. He is the fountain of youth. It's like he's 25 years old and he's never met Matt Cook. And that's how he's playing right now. Um, fantastic season. And my career indicating that, uh, you know, we'll see what happened, be will be happens, but we'll be willing to, to listen. Uh, after this, he has four more years on his contract. $11.5 million is the AAV. Um, the San Jose Sharks are opening to trade him if he decides that he wants to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. One of the teams that popped into my head right away, and again, San Jose would have to do the, we're going to eat half of this. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like the Brent Burns situation. We'll take some money uh, to make things happen. I wondered about Ottawa. I think those conversations have happened uh, between the Sharks and the and the Senators. I, I believe the two teams have talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um I just don't know if it's going to be possible. I just, you know, what what I'd heard is that it's 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 just not going to be cap possible, right? Um, even even with the San Jose even Sharks with the eating, retention, eating fifty percent, and maybe the, the Senators send a contract the other way. But but look, even if you send the contract, like this is what some this is what I was I was talking about like the last hour when you gave me a homework assignment. Yeah, this you like is, when I do that. I really, I really I hated homework then. I hate it even more now. <laughs> but uh, what was being, what I was kind of going through with someone was you go through Ottawa's lineup. Okay, you're not trading Stutzley. No. You're not trading Kachuk. You're not trading Norris. You're not undoing. I was going to say, you want to just make the same trade <laughs> the other way? Bolser, you got to get Bolsers from Tampa. Get Bolsers now. Yeah, you're not undoing, you're not trading Norris. Yeah. 
Um, you're not trading Sanderson, who you have to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're not going to trade. I don't like. They've already made it very clear they have no interest in trading Pinto when it came up with Arizona, who you've got to sign. Um, you, they still want. I assume they still want to sign to Brinkett. I've got no reason to believe that that's any different. And there, I mean, look, if you go out and get Carlson, then then you can't keep Zoo, but they still want to do Zoo. I just don't think. I just don't think the math works. Then are the Ottawa Senators frozen? Because these are a lot of players. Like I, I understand every team is going to have, to varying degrees, untouchables. Mm-hmm. Players that aren't going to be included in the deal. They want to keep Kachuk. They want to keep yeah. Stutzel. They want to. You're not. They want to keep all. You don't want to make players. yourself worse. No, I under, I understand that, but we're talking about Eric Carlson. Yes, hey, and look, we're talking about the fountain of youth, Eric Carlson, yes. right now. And you know, um, give me something in exchange for nothing isn't exactly a business transaction that general managers around the NHL kind of you know get the soap and warm water feeling about. Like Although they get they get proposed that kind of stuff a lot. I'm sure they will relieve you of the burden <laughs> of your Eric Carlson and that half the cap it. Um, I, I just, if it, like, I don't know how, how crisis mode it is for Ottawa right now mm-hmm. and when we're going to start getting into Ottawa must win this game. Maybe we're there now. Well, maybe you know, we're there now. But and, and I heard and, something very interesting yesterday. I, I rewatched um, the Pierre Dorian scrum uh, mm-hmm. from yesterday. And I, I think he was sending a message. And, and it, you know, I mean, all you have to do is listen to what he had to say. He, start, he switched from we're desperate to go out to get a defenseman or really trying hard to get a defenseman to, you know what, J- uh, Jake Sanderson and Jacob Bernard Docker could be the answers for us. Doctor, maybe internally we've had the answer here all along. And, and, and you know what, like, that doesn't But mean, hang on, sometimes general managers say that when there's a frustration in the marketplace and they can't get a deal done. Well, he, but I think there's truth to that. You know, like we talked about on Saturday night, Dorian doesn't want to make a bad trade, which you kind of referred to there. They don't throw you life preservers. They throw you anvils. But I think the other thing as well is that I, I do believe now, I mean, I was, I kind of hinted about it last Saturday, but I believe it more even now. Uh-huh. I, I believe there was a deal somewhere that was vetoed by a player. I, I don't know who that player was, mm. but I do believe that there was, th- that happened on at least one case. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think, the, I do, I think he really tried hard to go out and get a defenseman. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think it, it cut, it blocked. He doesn't want to make a stupid trade. And so he pulled back. Now the Carlson thing, like I said, I do believe the Sharks and the Sanders had talked about it. Mm-hmm. I just looked at the, what I, I just looked at the landscape with the Sanders and who they won't want to trade and where their financial commitments are going to be, and I just don't know how it works. I'm not saying it won't happen. Right. I think it's unlikely to happen. I, I think I just think the roadmap, even if the cap goes up the way that the commissioner has hinted, mm-hmm. I think the roadmap is extremely difficult to making that work. We're gonna Very see, difficult. We're going to see the Ottawa Senators tonight mm-hmm. on, uh, on Wednesday Night Hockey. Um, Anton Forsberg starts for the Ottawa Senators. They'll face off against the Buffalo Sabres. I want to get to that Sabres-Canucks game last night. A little bit on Buffalo, but a lot on Vancouver. Um, again, are we in must-win territory for the Ottawa Senators? When we talked to Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith in Ottawa before the season, we did the, the full podcast on the Sens, you know, I, I don't think that they were thrilled with, you know, wanting to give out any predictions about here's where we have to be. We have to be in a playoff spot. 
they talked about save percentages and, you know, DJ talked about power play percentages and penalty kill percentages and wanting it over 100. But the expectation wasn't this in the win-loss column for the Ottawa Senators. I'm very much of the belief, I, I think you are as well, that Ottawa kind of saw themselves where the Detroit Red Wings are at right now where some of these other teams in the Atlantic are starting to fall, mm-hmm. whether it's the Buffalo Sabres who are into their November swoon yep. right now. Um, I think they thought of themselves as a team like Detroit, where as the Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning, and that was a big one last night for the Bolts, and yep. the Florida Panthers who are really warming up right now as well, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are cementing their spot there. I still think that in their mind, they were going to be the team knocking on the door. That yes. if one of them falls, it's going to be them that takes that spot. Yes, I, I agree with you there, 100%. So the question then becomes, at what point are we starting to enter must-win territory? And then at what point do we start to say, and again, I have a hard time believing that we're saying this this early about the Ottawa Senators, considering what Dorian did in the offseason, at what point does this season become about next season? Well, I, I think we could be, when it comes to the defense, we might be there. Like I said, you know, you listened to him yesterday talking about, and Sanderson's a hell of a player. Like, oh, yeah. he could win Rookie of the Year this year, depending on where this this goes. But when Dorian was saying, when Dorian was saying yesterday, it, the answers could be Sanderson and Bernard Docker. That says to me that there's a realization setting in that he might not be able to do anything, and you mm-hmm. might as well hand it over to the kids, which I, I think is a is a smart like, you know, one of the great lines I always heard. There's a, there's an executive in the league who says. You know, you have two choices. You can trade your problem or you can fix your problem with what you have. And the better option is always option B. Yeah. So Ottawa can fix their problem with what potentially they always have. Look, the math isn't good for them already. They're in a really tough place math-wise. I think the the tough thing about this, and and I I did write it in my notes today, I've asked a couple other teams, what are the underlying numbers tell you about Ottawa? And, And they say that the underlying numbers are, they're not as bad as their record. Like, you, you look at their – when I looked at them last weekend, and I'm going to check the number right now, they were minus two uh, goal differential. Mm-hmm. When you're minus two – and they're still minus two. When you're minus two goal differential, you shouldn't be 5-9-1. Mm-hmm. You should be 500. And, you know, that says to me that they've been a little bit unlucky. But this is a results-oriented business, and results speak. Uh, speaking of results, um, the New Jersey Devils have now won 10 games in a row. And yes, they have. It, it was... is the only bad thing about this is what oh, is how you just it, like it, you're killing the in season cup right it's now. Just awesome. It's I can't just... wait for you to lose and the inevitable whining to conv- commence. <laughs> no, because my lead will be so significant by then I'll have left you in the dust. But nonetheless, <laughs> I mean. We've talked plenty about the New Jersey Devils. There's no need to go on too much more about them. But 10-game win streak, you I mean, you have to... Like, <clears throat> the, um, the, the, the stat is, I believe it is 60 teams, or maybe 65 or something like that, teams that have won 10 games in a row in the history of the NHL. Like, it, it's, it's significant. And amongst that, only two teams have not made the playoffs. Like, when you've had a 10-game win streak... That's a pretty good, you always talk about indica- you know, indicators of, you know, uh, previous yep. performance, et cetera. You know, only two teams, Buffalo Sabres being one of them, uh, who yep. have gone on a 10-game win streak and not made the playoffs. <sighs> you talk about the math not looking good for some teams. The math already looks great banking for, points. The, for the New Jersey Devils here for each. Yeah, banking points. You know, I, I have to tell you, I was, uh, I was, the other thing I wanted to say was they, I was downtown last night at the uh, GM meetings. 
and I stayed late to write and then uh, meet up with someone. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a concert last night at the at Scotiabank Arena. I, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's a country singer. And there were people coming out, and the, and, and there were a bunch of uh, fans from uh, Newfoundland, and and they were they were having Luke a, Combs. Luke Combs. Okay, thanks. I, I just got remember. a text from a friend of mine. Thanks, thanks, friend. And she's like, the only, "Oh, he's dreamy." <laughs> the only thing I don't believe about this is that Jeff has a friend. But <laughs> you know, so Luke Luke Combs concert comes out, and there are a bunch of fans from Newfoundland. I just said, uh, and you know, the accents you knew where they were from right away, yeah. and they were and they were telling me it's a big week for them. They came in for Luke Combs and to see Dawson Mercer on on Thursday. Hey, night. So very cool. They made a nice midweek trip of it uh, to Toronto. Excellent. And, uh, but, uh, I look, the Devils last night, they looked dynamite. You know, we, t- we talked on the pod this week about how Montreal is playing with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy, and Shut I, down. I thought the Devils just steamrolled them last night. Yeah, it really was a performance. Uh, Buffalo-Vancouver. So, last game of the road trip, the Vancouver Canucks win, although they almost gave that one away. I think a lot of observers, when Casey Middlestad scores that goal in the third period, everybody's saying... How many people thought Vancouver was going to lose that game? Okay, here we go again. We've seen this story before, uh, but they hang on and they win 5-4. to Listen, broken record, Bo Horvat scores. Um, 14 goals now on the season. Also added an assist last night. He was the best player on the ice, and Bruce Boudreaux played the heck out of him. Played the heck out of uh, JT Miller as well. Um, Buffalo's now lost six in a row, but the story here is now Vancouver goes back home yep. and what's next. And a couple of things, um, you know, you wonder what's next for Bruce Boudreaux. That's obvious. I think a lot of players are wondering that as well. Yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. And, yeah. uh, and what's happening with Bo Horvat. Like, I think there's a couple of issues here that a lot of people in the organization, players and around the team are wondering, okay, where are we going here? And I think, I, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and, um, you know, we've talked about this actually a lot about, you know, how we just think the whole Boudreaux thing is just, it's it's at the point of unfair. Like, make it say either he's staying or he's not and, and just do it. Um, but uh, I, I think there's a lot more swimming under the surface there. I don't, you know, like... Horvat gets a lot of the attention because he's the unrestricted free agent having the monster season. Yep. But I think there's, I think they're, they've got a lot of other lines out in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there's uh, some of their players, I, I think they're still looking for defense. Look, like the number one problem with, uh, with Vancouver, I mean, aside from the fact that Demko has not been Demko, has been their defense. And I still think they're looking to fix that and add to that. But I, I think Rutherford and Elvin have a lot of lines out there. I, I think they've got uh, a lot of things that they're looking at and considering, and I think they're waiting to see what bites. You know, I, I did want to say one thing that I didn't get a chance to mention it earlier. The the the, the best thing about uh, Vancouver on this road trip was seeing uh, uh, Stan Smeal just briefly at the morning skate mm. on uh, Saturday in Toronto. He's on the, the, this road trip with, uh, with the Canucks, and, you know... Um, you know, the Canucks and their fans know it's been a, a tough time for the Smeal family. Yeah. And it was just, I didn't really, t- I didn't talk to him, uh, but I saw him and uh, I, I just sent him a note saying it was great to see him. And, uh, 
I, I, it was it was wonderful to see Stan Smeal on the trip. It's it's not it hasn't been an easy time for him and his family. Yeah. But at least you know he's in a place where he was comfortable with the team, and I uh, I really love to see that and wanted to mention that. It's a great thing. Um, a wonderful human being. Um, Buffalo Sabers. Meanwhile, other end of it are now lost six. Yeah. Talk about the November swoon. Yeah. I mean, they look like darlings, and we mentioned you know the Detroit the Detroit Red Wings are the one team in that division that are if anyone's gonna suddenly go the other way, they looks like. And again, you talk about. Now, the underlying numbers, I sh- we know they don't look great uh, for the Detroit Red Wings either, but nonetheless, they are there. Not five-on-five. Five. Detroit's numbers are not great. Not at all. And, you know, the Buffalo Sabres now who are looking like maybe they're going to be the surprise team and, you know, they, they didn't do much business outside of uh, bringing in Eric Comrie and re-signing players, yep. you know, Tage Thompson, Matias Samuelson, et cetera. Um, I don't want to say that October... Was, was, the, was the real Sabres. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't want to say that November right now mm-hmm. is the real Sabres. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at this and say the real Sabres are somewhere in between this. I agree. That if there's a, they're a young team. Um, they're a young team with the oldest goaltender in the league, with the oldest player in the league in Craig Anderson, that they're a young team that understands that they're still nowhere close to the uptick of their winning cycle. They'll be there eventually. Yep. Next year, two years, we all expect that. But right now... It's not there. For the it's not there yet. Jeff, I like, I have to say that I, I was, when I was saying at the beginning of the year that I thought the, the Atlantic might be different this year. I think I was, t- I definitely was saying, I will, I hoped it would be because I wanted it to be different. Like the same, yeah. the same four teams. It's, it's boring. It's credit to those four teams, Tampa, Florida, Toronto, and Boston, but it is a little bit boring. You want, you want mm. some new blood. You want something to drive some energy into it. And we're we're headed to the same thing again. Uh, you, you know, uh, Buffalo, like Tage Thompson, like he's a stud. He's awesome. He's an absolute stud, and I think that contract is going to age very well for him. They they like Darlene's got like all their guys who are going to be good are going to be the core of that team when it's good. Mm-hmm. They're all getting better. They're all getting better, and I think. You know, I, I I think they're going in the right direction. It's just, I understand it when you're a Sabres fan, you've been waiting a decade. It's tough to you, tell you them want be patient. It. It's, it's really it's, hard. It's hard. I get it. I get it. But I I still think that team is trending in the right direction. It's just not yeah not as fast. I, I got to tell you, like Toronto last night. Hey, what do you think of Matt Murray? They, he was great. That's that, a, in that second period. There were a few like ten yeah. bellers. He was awesome. I thought Toronto was generally very good in that game, except for some a few minutes in the second period. But Murray was fantastic. Uh, he probably had a good number up on the board last night. Too. I would imagine, yeah. Well, that was a big money on the board night for him. And uh, you know, like I'll say this about Shalgren, man. He bought them some time. He he, he did. did. He. You know, I, I would. I wanted to mention you. You were talked about the notes today. That psalming piece. Yes. You know, one of the, one of the people I talked to was was Mike Ferriman, who's been at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for twenty eight years. Used to be Carlton the Bear. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, um, he's been there for twenty eight <laughs> years, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's he, the thing he talked about was, you know, when they when they looked at the schedule, they kind of thought. Well, wait a sec. Wouldn't it make more sense that Vancouver was the opponent for the Hall of Fame game than Pittsburgh with mm. the Luongo Sedin's tie-in? Yeah. But he said, "You really—it's it, actually stuck with me since he told me this yesterday." You think about like just how everything aligned Perfect. to play six Swedes in that game. Like, first of all, they all play yeah. the right positions. Yeah. Three forward, two D, and a goal. 
And think about how everything had to shape for Shalgren to be the goalie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you needed two injured goaltenders. You needed two injured goalies <laughs> so you could play Shalgren. And it's just, it's, you know, I, I, like, I am not an incredibly spiritual person, but I do believe in karma. I, I, I do believe in that. And yeah. Salming's karma, and I guess the way it, he's been treated, it yeah. all, like, to me, it's it, it, when you think about how everything had to line up for that to happen. Mm-hmm. When when he said that to me, it it stuck with me. I actually almost got into a car accident thinking about it, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't, you know. No, but uh, you know what it was. You know, about. you know what it was too. Because listen, we're the same vintage, so we can both remember Borja Salming, yeah, and how unique he was. Borja Salming and um, and Inga Hammerstrom. Um, like we can remember when the wave of European, like there was a wave of European goaltenders, you know, Marcus Matson and Yuri Sira, Hardy, Hardy Astrom with with <laughs> with the Rockies. Yeah. Um, and you know, before that, there was you know there was you know Vaslav Nedimansky, yeah, uh, who came over, and Richard Farda, uh, who came over as well. Um, you know, there were some that probably could have. I know that Detroit tried to lure more um, Czechoslovakian players over. A lot of them stayed. Yeah. Um, mainly out of family considerations. Yeah. Um, but we can all both remember Salming and, and Hammerstrom and how unique it was. Like, there would be, you know, not every team would have a European player on it. So that European player really stood out. Yeah. It was, you know, predominantly you know, everyone on your team is predominantly Canadian. There were a few American players and Swedes were rare. You know, Swedes internationally had done well, um, but they didn't show up in the NHL. And I thought there were a couple of things there. One was a real nice touch, obviously, um, uh, by Sheldon Keefe to to start start those players. But two, to me, that was for someone, and you were the same way, who's someone that grew up and looked at Swedes almost like it was a novelty. Oh, look, they have a Swedish player. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, there's, you know, there's big Ned from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Like the fact that they were able, even with or without Shelgren, that they were able to start a five of all Swedes to me is, and I've seen it in, in, as I've grown up, like I've seen it in my lifetime. It's gone from there's one Swede on this team to their starting five. Yeah. That's what I looked at and said. That's how this game has come. And this game has become more global. And Salming started it. Yep. Salming started it. Um, John Tavares scores goal number 400 yep. yesterday, which uh, which is impressive. I'll tell you, though, like I, I watched that goal. And again, I don't want to take anything away from John Tavares because it's a gorgeous But you're going shot, to. But I'm going to. How does that goal go in in the NHL? <laughs> sometimes is sometimes I, I watch Kelly when a puck goes in the net. And I love just, watching Kelly and he just shake and, his and head. Like, he just shakes his head. He, like... Like there, there are times when I'll when when he'll say, like there like I know when he really I'll sometimes I'll say oh nice shot and he will say it's in the middle of the net <laughs> that can't go in yes uh, so Pittsburgh loses also the Washington Capitals lose again yep. last night Florida Panthers beat them five to two yeah the other day on the show you and I were talking about uh, the Capitals and the Penguins Ovechkin and Crosby coming out of the lockout 05 and how much they. And that rivalry helped grow the yep. NHL coming out of the lockout. Yep. Hey, it's a new brand, there's new rules, and there's these two stars and these two high-octane teams that are taking the league to where it needed to be. And it's taken a while, and we've all wondered about aging curves and who's going to set what record, and we know they're, you know Crosby and Ovechkin are both going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
But I think we're all wondering, okay, at what point, because we know, you know, time is undefeated, at what point does time start winning? I always thought we'd get there earlier with Washington. I still think that we are pretty close to being there with the Caps. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we're getting there closer with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, having said that, they were at the beginning of the season. They look just fantastic. Yeah. Like the, the thing about the Penguins is when they're on, good luck. Still, no one can touch them. But when when they're off, it can go sideways quickly. I mean, I don't know if there's any question attached to this other than are we just seeing time catching up to these teams? I just don't. I, I just don't think these teams are deep enough right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Washington, what they've got out of the lineup. Oh, it's like $35 million. And also, too, like, like look at the roles. It's your first-line center. Yeah. And it's your – and it's, like, a unique player. There's nobody like that guy in, in the league. Tom and, Wilson. And when, and when you're playing poorly, he sometimes single-handedly changes games. Yep. Like, I, I look at them and I see a team that's uh, missing significant guts. Pittsburgh, in terms of the guts of the team, I'm really curious about Washington, I think, has five UFAD at the end of this year. Hmm. I'm going to be really interested to see what where Washington goes with this, like where they go about building their roster after this season. I think it's going to be really fascinating. I don't think, and again, this is based on zero conversations. This is just based on how I feel. I have a hard time believing that Washington will do anything resembling a rebuild I agree with that. until Ovechkin gets the record. I, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think that they will do whatever it takes to have that Washington capital player hold that record and beat Wayne Gretzky. And so they they will not say, hey, you know what? We got to strip this thing down. I, I think, and we all wondered about this too as we sort of looked at, you know, the ages of some of these players where Washington was going to be when Ovechkin was getting into, you know, Gretzky territory here. And I don't think that uh, the Washington Capitals want to strip this down and fill it. I don't think they want to go to the Montreal way, essentially what I'm saying. Yep. I don't think they want to do that. I think I they want Ovechkin to have the record that they want to give him the best chance and the best possible players around him. I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm with you on this. You know, to me with Pittsburgh, I actually think that one of the bigger problems is that their depth hasn't been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, you know... I've seen some nights where their best players are going and they, they just don't have enough help. Um, and that's been a big, I think that's been a big problem there. Now, I think also Latang hasn't been great and the, and the guy Dumoulin, that, that really hurts them because I think he's yep. a very important player for them and he hasn't been great. Um, I just, uh, I, I just think in this league now, you, you have to be deep. You have to be deep. You know, you used to be able to get away with, you know, your fourth line not doing a ton for you just as long as they didn't get caved in. Yeah. Fourth lines have to score now. You have to, yeah, they have to produce. You have to produce. And I, I think, like, I, like I, 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 I think, excuse me, I think that's one of the biggest difference, I think, with Toronto is that they were, not only were their stars not scoring, yeah. but their depth lines were getting caved in. And still now, Matthews, although I don't worry about him, he's not scoring at the level we expect him to score at, but at least some of their deeper lines aren't getting caved in anymore. Yeah, the frustrating thing, too, is if you're one of those fourth liners, the way that the economy of the NHL is set up now with teams, you can't pay your fourth liners if they perform. You have to go out and find other fourth liners at those numbers to take their place. There's no longer this idea of, hey, this fourth liner gave us 15 goals, we're going to pay him. No, we can't afford it. 
we have to go out and find another one of those guys. Yes. That's the NHL economy. A couple of things about your notes on the uh, on the uh, GM's meetings. Oh, by the way, you wrote about Bernice Carnegie, uh, who was just, she came on yesterday and she was tremendous. Two nights ago at the Hall, she was tremendous. And Put you, it this way, I was glad that if you if you had to condense your show, uh-huh. that I got cut and punt, she didn't. Punt. No, there's no way we're going to punt on Bernice. No, she was outstanding. <laughs> that, was, um, that was a good call on your part. Here, well, he, here's one thing that I want to throw into the mix as well, because you talked about um, uh, about her grandkids. Yes. Okay. So she and I asked her about that because her one grandkid, um, Jacob, um, is that Corey's son or Rain's son? Uh, Corey. Okay. Uh, Corey's uh, Rain's son is Miles, who's a 2012 that Brody's played with. Oh, okay. Couple, they, they played in the summer over at Chestwood. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he is. Want to want to feel old? He's a 2017. Oh, oh my gut punch. <laughs> um, but he plays on the Duffield Devils. So Duffield's one of these teams that you know later on feeds the elite level GTHL teams. Also on that team, Kwame Mason's son, really, and Kyle Clifford's son. Wow, are also on that team. And Jacobs. So, Jacob's so your son's little, played against these teams? Uh, my, no, my son's he's skated with. Um, he skated with Rain's son uh, in, the, okay. in the summer. Just a couple of skates. Or oh, your sons are too old for that. Yeah, too old. Yeah. Too old. I got. I'm going to sound like a hockey dad. I got 2010 to 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Don't actually give out their actual ages here. Um, but really quickly, um, we'll wrap up on this one. Our wrist guard protection coming off the Evander Kane situation. I think we look at this and say, what are we missing here? Nobody wants to see that. The players don't want it to happen, but the PA has always maintained player choice, even though they've mandated things like helmets advisors in the past. Those have been grandfathered in, and yeah. hopefully we can get to a situation where that happens. You know, there's one of the reporters there uh, was actually saying yesterday, and I, I don't want to say who it is because he might not want his family mentioned, but he said that his son, uh, the moment his son was ready to play hockey, he said he, he has to wear like um, like a Kevlar shirt. Yep. So his his son is used to it from the moment he starts playing hockey. And I, I think that's great. I, if, I wanted to mention that because if anybody's listening out here and they're worried about those kind of cuts – just make it part of your son's or daughter's life right now. 100%. From the moment they start playing so totally. that they get they get used to it. Um, I, I do think there's going to be a push uh, for this, least to, at least to make it for future players. Yeah. Because I didn't realize this either. There was a, a Finnish player, and I'm sorry I forget his name, at the Cariella Cup last week who apparently suffered mm-hmm. a very similar injury. And I'd also heard that um, in the presentation – they showed at least one example of a player who could have had a bad leg cut, but didn't because he was wearing the Kevlar socks. I heard that really ma- that conversation really made an impression. One thing I've always wondered about is, well, we're in the era of you know making things mandatory, how much money is invested in players, uh, players wanting to stay healthy and, and not get injured. We've seen mandatory visors. What about neck guards? I wore one as a kid. Everybody does. Everybody but, but does, back and, then and, that was and, like and, 1977. No, but everybody's like, wrong with like you? Our, our, our kids, like they, everybody, everybody wears neck guards except in, in the NHL. I don't know. I just, I just get, I don't I'm weird about cuts. And I think a lot of us are like, are you, I, are you I squeamish get, when it comes to blood? Not when it comes to blood, but about, about cuts. Just, really? Yeah. Yeah. With blades. Well, okay. Like, like I'll, I'll watch like a boxing match or an MMA fight, whatever. And I go, okay, yeah, he's, you know, he got split. You like wrestling. Wide. They blade each other in re- or blade themselves in wrestling. Yeah, I kind of find that gross. I really do. I think that's really gross. I really do. You're such but a I've won- contradiction. But I've, but I've wondered. Oh, I know. Welcome to the People's Republic of Me. The um, 
I've always wondered about neck guards in the NHL. And maybe this is just the Malarchuk Zednik and having watched yeah, I those, I just, uh, I don't know how there hasn't been, man, I'm sure there has been, but I just know how they're, they're, that those conversations still don't carry on. Like, I just hope it doesn't take an absolute tragedy. Yeah, I understand. To get us You're to right. have that conversation, you know what I mean? Okay, so on that lovely note, um, you can go have lunch now. <laughs> I'm going to go home and shovel snow. <laughs> All right, enjoy it. Uh, thanks, Reed. You be well.